nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, May 27th, 2014. Oh, last night I was sitting with a pile of books and I wanted to talk about them. I have so many, so many uh, Victorian novels. And then I turned on HBO Cable TV and I got a sock in the eye. It's the movie of The Normal Heart. Now, uh, it was a play first. It's Larry Kramer's play, the late Larry Kramer. And uh, I think it's important to those of us who think that movies can be a powerful weapon in the struggle for social justice. I do think so. Maybe not. It's also a hell of a, a drama, very gripping. Um, once again, it's on HBO Cable TV. I'm sure it will run for at least a few weeks and get all the good awards and things. Anyway, the screenplay of The Normal Heart is adapted from Larry Kramer's play. It deals with the HIV-AIDS epidemic. It starts out in 1981. 82, 83, I think the last bit is 1986. And we're in New York most of the time. Can you remember where you were in 1981? (laughs) I was watching my youngest son graduate high school. Do you remember 35 years ago? Do you remember what it was like? Sexual freedom was damn near a sacrament. Imagine, just imagine, trying to persuade anybody to stop having sex. And it wasn't just here. It wasn't just in San Francisco. It was our country. Now, if you are old enough to remember those times, you will remember that the then president, Ronnie Reagan, did not say the words AIDS in public, you know, out loud. He did not say AIDS or uh, HIV uh, until 1985 is the date. And then what he said in a press conference was that uh, AIDS, he said AIDS, would have, quote, top priority. End quote. That's top priority. Then you may recall that in 1986, the following year, the federal government chose to make an 11% reduction in the funding for 
the AIDS epidemic, the research and so forth. Uh, now, <laughs> by the end, oh God, this stuff, uh, I, I, it just drives me crazy to think that all of this stuff is probably not known to a lot of people after 35 years. Uh, anyway, by the end of 1986, we got 24,558 people dead. According to Larry Kramer, I don't know, how can this be possible? Since 1981, worldwide, since 1981, we have lost 36 million people. I, I don't know, I'll have to call world watch in a bunch of places it can't be 36 million i mean that's more than all the people who died in the wars of the 20th century you know anyway uh i think what is it i think when the people uh, on both sides of this issue as if there were sides when they start throwing numbers around you know saying well more from malaria and so forth uh i I kind of think, you know, that's beside the point. Uh, the normal heart has its uh, figure straight, I think. The conclusion is that today, even as I speak, 6,000 people worldwide are newly infected each and every day. Now, the darkest part of this story, the movie, uh, is... Where the gay male community realizes the fact that the federal government isn't, wasn't going to give the epidemic any priority at all. Uh, you know, finally, finally, help came when it became absolutely clear that HIV AIDS is an equal opportunity destroyer. Uh, you know, money for the research. It just didn't come forth until the powers that be were convinced, they had to be convinced, that this disease, this epidemic, was not an exclusively gay disease. You remember, there was this and that, um, blood transfusions, Haiti, and so forth. Bit by bit, they got it through their heads that anybody's immune system could collapse. Uh, only... Uh, when the time came that they could see heterosexual straight men and women dying in large numbers, only then did our federal government get off its ass. In this movie, The Normal Heart on HBO, emphasis is placed on the agony of those who fought, fought for recognition of their suffering, uh, of the terrible dangers uh, they kept talking about the time that was being lost uh the years that went by while people were dying and nothing was done uh and dying horribly uh dying without resources uh, i need to warn you um especially if you have children if you're sensitive to uh, images of disease of dying of the fear and dread of the effects of physical deterioration. This movie may be more than you can handle. Maybe you should watch it with a friend. Uh, I 
I thought of the harrowing scenes in so many other films, gosh. Uh, think of Tony Kirshner's play, Angels in America. Maybe that's the definitive um, play on the subject. But, of course, Tony Kirshner tries to talk about everything that was changing at the end of the 20th century. Begins with the funeral, you remember. Meryl Streep playing a rabbi. Those years, yes, the millennial madness. Anyway, this movie is hard to take. The symptoms and the effects of the disease. Uh, I have to admit, I couldn't watch sometimes. I'm getting to where I watch with just a sort of half eye. I don't know, I blink. Anyway, there's one image. The ghostly, ghastly face of an infected, well, very sick man on the New York subways. Uh, that one just stays with me. A face destroyed, not just by the disease, but by the cruel rejection of those who see him and turn away. The, what is it, disgust, the fear? It's a haunting image. And then there's the fashion model wearing heavy makeup. He comes off the runway, he thinks that he's hidden his uh, uh, skin, skin spots. His Anyway, of course, the movie. The movie really depends on the characters, the actors, the uh, band of brothers. Oh, <laughs> band of brothers. The guys who start the AIDS crisis center, the ones who struggle to get public support and money from the world at large. Uh, they even have to struggle with those in their own community. A lot of denial, of course. I mean, you know, I admit you're dying. Uh, doctor comes and says you're infecting each. You might infect each other. I suppose you know what happened then. Uh, gay politics is the dramatic conflict here. I remember those divisive arguments. Friendships broke up. Couples broke up. Uh, all the fallout. I remember here in San Francisco, uh, the hollering when the bathhouses were closed. And I got into trouble myself. I remember arguing with a close friend. I said, well, you know, during the polio epidemics, when I was a kid, they closed the swimming pools. And they said, it's, my friend said, no, it's not the same thing. It's political, political pressure. Anyway, the normal heart has Julia Roberts playing Dr. Bruckner. Actually, she's very good. Um, she's trying to warn the community and she herself is in a wheelchair. She had polio as a child, so she knows about viruses. Ears and an iron lung has turned her into a fierce fighter. Now, I don't want to be a spoiler in case you really don't want to know how things turn out for these characters. 35 years ago, so many liberals, gay ones, straight ones, were convinced that freedom, at least freedom in our personal lives, that had been won, was all done, and instead, we lost a generation of artists, of creative people. Ah, all those we were counting on to build a new world. 
long came the Jerry Falwells to tell them they deserved it. God, yes, God was punishing them. By 1983, the gay community's social life consisted mostly of funerals. That's the uh, the opening scenes, the first bit of Angels in America. Uh, there's this mean-spirited reaction. Maybe it's genuine fear. Uh, the larger society is afraid to touch infected people. It it's a haunting idea. You know, nobody wanted to kiss someone there. I think the 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 way they handled it in the movie was pretty good, pretty wise. Uh, the doctor Julia Roberts plays. She refuses to put on all the uh, all the equipment before she goes in to see her patients. Uh, it's a mixed it's a mixed bag sometimes of course it was important to try to protect yourself so well anyway there's one scene even a mortician refuses to touch a victim a tv repairman won't enter the hospital room because there's an infected patient in there uh he says he'll quit first anyway the normal heart is a treatise on what, well, is, you remember Berthold Brecht told us art should be a hammer, something to change consciousness, to change the world. This movie gives a nod to a few women, weren't very many, let's see, there's Estelle, I've forgotten the actress's name, it's here somewhere, a uh, very small part, she's given the job of creating a hotline um at that point someone in the group says thank god for the lesbians i remember that vividly the number of lesbians and uh just straight women who immediately uh joined joined the efforts to educate uh and then of course we do have julia roberts there were several doctors you remember them the ones who got it first. I don't know. Uh, one of them shouts at some point, how come the idiots are always on their side, the stupid ones? My favorite grand quote is, uh, I think it's Einstein. He said, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. I I guess that's funny. I think that the women, the women who joined the struggle and did for their brothers what we would hope their brothers would do for them, uh, that deserves another movie, another film. Now, this one focuses on, uh, let's see, Ned Weeks, uh, a.k.a. Larry Kramer. He's an individual that we all know. It's the person who goes out on a limb, goes too far, breaks into offices, meetings, uh, you know, grabs the mayor by the collar, forces the establishment to pay attention. He goes so far that even his uh, compatriots kick him out from time to time, always. There's a conflict between those who want to break down the barriers and those who play by the rules. 
Of course, they both have the same goal. In this case, most of the men who were still in the closet were really struggling. They wanted to change things, but they didn't want to destroy themselves and lose their jobs and all the rest of it. Uh, Finally, you know, we had our own martyr eventually, Harvey Milk, uh, assassinated along with Mayor Moscone. That's another movie, Sean Penn. Uh, did a magnificent job of playing Harvey Milk, uh, our San Francisco. Uh, he, what was it? He, he started out just as a, uh, what is it, uh, an entrepreneur, a simple activist, and of course, became a political leader. Anyway, I don't know. I never have known. How much has to happen before society wakes up? How, how change occurs? Denial is a defense system. It works on so many levels, it's impossible to count. Even, even people who are fully awake just still, you know, want to hold on to the status quo. I mean, you can't live without a job, uh, as the fashion model says. If I haven't got a job, I don't want to live. And, of course, uh, there is always that chance of dying in the street. It happened, folks. The medieval mood is profound. It looks like a historical um, rerun, horrible things where people are literally left to die. There's a veil of civilization that is so thin, I always thought, you know, things couldn't get that bad. That veil can be torn off in a moment. There are moments of crisis when human beings do come together for each other, but most of the time, (laughs) most of the time, that's when they're all under so much stress, they They have nothing to lose. They simply hold each other's hand. Uh, The movie tries to give contrast. It starts out with a party on Fire Island. These beautiful, beautiful men, uh, all looking like Greek gods. (laughs) The contrast with what is coming is cruel. To know how it is when these men grow up, as someone says, yes. They grow up and look death in the face. Uh, some of them so young, I remember several, the humiliation that surrounded them, how fast they died and how fast we forgot. The cruel behavior of those days still echoes in my mind, the abandoned sick, uh, the is that the sneaky, sneaky stuff. A friend saying she didn't want her baby to be in the same room, etc., etc. This is still a part of the story uh, all around the world. Families casting out their infected relatives. There's a magnificent film. I think it would be the first one I'd show if I was giving a course. It's about a woman in Africa. Uh, Her husband infects her. And then he's kind of mean. He goes away on the job and finally comes comes home uh, with his 
His tail dragging, he's dying, and she takes care of him until he dies. Her name, and the name of the film, is Yesterday. And we learn that her father named her Yesterday because, of course, in that world, Yesterday was so much better than today. We are rolling into the past in some places. You know, places where more people are dying than are staying alive. Uh, anyway, I think that the, uh, the worldwide picture has become a little muted for some of us. Uh, the women who are infected by their husbands, uh, some of them are treated as if they are the carriers. They cast out. Uh, it's an old, old story. The courage that it took that small group of men to come out, you know, to stand before the world, to demand attention. And, of course, the suicidal responses of so many uh, broken, broken hearts, broken men. There is a great role for Alfred Molina. He plays the straight older brother. Yes, his name is, what is it? Uh, uh, ben Weeks. Yes, I think, I think of the older brother Ben in, in that wonderful play, Death of a Salesman. There's always this older brother, father figure in these plays. Uh, anyway, uh, he's a lawyer. He loves his gay little brother, but he can't see him as an equal. He can't quite recognize him. He's not quite 100%. Now, this role is central to the drama. Uh, Molina is representing the best of the straight world. Well, the best of those who had to learn not just how to love their gay relatives, but how to respect them, how to give their gay friends and relatives uh, full humanity. It's a hard lesson. Some straight folks still condescend, they tolerate. Uh, you know the tone of that response. It's like a parent scolding a child. So naughty. Anyway, uh -huh. I did it myself once. Shame on us. We got the... <laughs> We got the frontal nudity out of the way in the opening scenes here, so we didn't have to do that later. Uh, very casuals, the party on Fire Island uh, gives you the attitudes and the feelings in 1981 ever so briefly. Ah, back when we had healthy emotional lives. <laughs> a few, there were a few questions, a few drawbacks. One guy at the party says, so much sex. Makes finding love impossible. We're worried about that. I remember reading Gertrude Stein's opinions. Well, Ernest Hemingway's version of Gertrude Stein's opinions. He wrote it in Movable Feast. How Gertrude Stein thought that lesbians were more loving or something. You know, how women, lesbians, wanted to make a home. And uh, Stein said she thought gay men maybe disliked themselves. You know, sodomy. I mean, wait. 
fell out with Gertrude. <laughs> that that was inevitable. Oh, yes, that was about the time I went to see a shocking, I thought shocking, German-filled call, film called Taxi to the Toilet, which I do not recommend. I think it was kind of brilliant, but it scared me to death. Uh, it <laughs> struck me that Gertrude Stein might have had a point. That self-loathing stuff, um, you remember a movie called Cruising? Sociopathic Scream psychopathic screaming anyway all that is a result of the cultural cruelty that is practiced in our puritan society i think of sit the guy in the movie wings years and years ago the first academy award went to a movie called wings and buddy rogers holds his war wounded pal in his arms as he's dying and he weeps over him. It's the most lyric, emotional scene I can remember back in 1928. Imagine John Wayne doing a thing like that. It's it's kind of the mid-20th century when the, uh, when the fear of feeling came over the men. Maybe it was fascism in the 40s and 50s. Uh, anyway... I think I remember a number of plays. Boys in a Band was the one with the most self-loathing. And there was a movie about lesbians, women, a movie called Sister George, about lesbian self-destructive behavior. Obviously, if you're doing something that the larger society says is uh, unethical or immoral, it's going to bother you. All that stuff just comes down to the universal truths about our species, how we figure out a way to blame each other. You know, my atrocity is more atrocious than yours. We hurt one another. However, it does not need to be so. There's a definitive line in this movie. I like it. Uh, quote, men do not naturally not love. I'll repeat that. Men do not naturally not love. Reminds me of Simone de Beauvoir's line about women, you know. She says, we're not born women, we learn, learn how to be women in the negative sense. Uh, anyway, I got nostalgic several times during this movie. All those scenes in the men's chic apartments, beautiful apartments, shelves and shelves of books. Can you imagine? Books. <laughs> Actually, the acting honors go to Julia Roberts, Alfred Molina. There's a long list. I hope you get a chance to see The Normal Heart. Uh, I dug in my files last night. I'm trying to think of the perspective we had back in the day, back 35 years ago in 1981. There are reviews in my files of Birdcage. Uh, the one, I think, Before Night Falls was the title, with uh, Javier Bourdin, that Cuban poet. Uh, he kills himself in the end, if I remember cor- correctly. The best, best movie, if you're a scholar, teach school, is The Celluloid Closet. It's a documentary. It goes back all the way to 1895. Now, maybe next time 
I'll have a chance to talk about the celluloid closet uh, and the crossover film, My Beautiful Laundrette. Uh, anyway, Lily Tomlin and Whoopi Goldberg uh, give, the, uh, give the overview in the celluloid closet. It's the normal heart is the movie I've been ranting about. Until next time, this has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Drop the shadow. Hillsburg Jazz Festival now through June 8th celebrates the blues with harmonica legend Charlie Musselwhite matched up with stars of jazz, blues, and Latin jazz including Joshua Redman, Elvin Bishop, and John Santos. Other concerts include one of the most acclaimed bassists in jazz history, Ron Carter, and his quartet, Poncho Sanchez, eight-piece Latin jazz group, Bill Charlop and Renee Rosna's grand piano duo with guests Bobby Hutcherson, Mark Carey's tribute to Abby Lincoln, Mads Tolling with his tribute to Jean-Luc Ponty, Marcus Shelby Orchestra and the Freedom Jazz Choir, and much more. Schedule and tickets for sale at HillsburgJazz.org or by calling 1-800-838-3006. Co-sponsored by KPFA, a benefit for Hillsburg Jazz. Moving through, mama jumping from town to town. As you're listening to 94.1 KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and always online at kpfa.org. The time